0: If you have your Bibles this morning, kindly open it to the book of John chapter 11. John chapter 11 verses 25 and 26 is what I want to focus your attention to this morning. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Just not to take these words from out of context, I would like to, by the way of introduction, tell you a little why it was said and to whom it was said. These are the words from our Lord himself to a couple of friends that was very, very dear to him. It was a time of great sorrow for the family of Lazarus. If you read the beginning of the chapter, you would see that the brother Lazarus of Martha and her sister had passed away, and Jesus heard the sad news, because he loved this family. He held on to them very, very dearly and deeply. And through this conversation that went on with Jesus and the sisters of Lazarus, Jesus used these words, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. A simple outline this morning as I have seen it from the text, is a 4.1 first of all I want to give this message a title and that title is the risen Christ the four points is the person number one the person I am the resurrection the second point is the plan he that believeth in me third the promise though he were dead yet shall he live and fourth the power when whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die I would like to bring your attention back or your imagination back to the day as Mark puts it in Mark chapter 6 in the gospel of Mark chapter 16 rather he tells us that three holy women they had a problem and their problem was that They had tasted of the Lord pardoning mercies and their hearts were filled with gratitude to him and cost what it may. They want to go and do what they're supposed to do in anointing the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're willing to pay the consequences, whatever it is, just to be there at the grave of the Lord and to anoint his body. But as they were going, they were questioning themselves. These three holy women, they had a problem. You see, their problem in the mind was, and as they were meditating upon it and saying it within themselves, who will roll away the stone from the sepulchre? Because it was a huge stone. You see, it was just like about a few days that Jesus was there in the tomb. And there are these three women... They wanted to be there to do this to the Lord. But in front of them lie this great stone that they want to be rolled away. They said among themselves, who will roll us away this stone from the sepulchre? You see, lo and behold, their needs, or their fears rather was needless, and the expected trouble was found not to exist. Because when they looked, the Bible tells us, they saw that the stone was rolled away. Resurrection, as was then and is now, unblocks all entrances. You know, sometimes we as Christians, we are faced with a blocked entrance in life. Sometimes we see a huge stone that blocks the way. As believers, we are oppressed and we are cast down by anticipation of evil. And in the time of need, find that the things we feared removed and that stone is rolled away. Frequently we find ourselves trapped on the inside as believers. Just beyond the entrance is a light, a beautiful spring day. Sometimes, frequently, we have a sense of standing on the outside and wanting to get on the inside. But there's a great stone there. The entrance is blocked. But praise God this morning that I can stand here and open the Word of God and tell you that Jesus Christ is risen and through the resurrection He has blocked all entrances. You see, the greatest words to man are Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Many thought death was the end of Christ and His ministry. However, He rose from the dead and as He promised, Forty days in the book of Acts that it's stated in chapter 1. After his resurrection, he ascended up to heaven. The reason why I have chosen this message is because there was something in my mind for about a month ago. This is job related as I leave home on a Monday morning and I pack a little bag and I go down to Pennsylvania and I spend the week there working. I encountered a man who came up to me one day and said, Listen, I have to go out. I says, Why? I need a couple of days off. I said, Why? I says, Well, who will stay around? Who do I have to teach? He says, Well, this is something I can't help. My grandmother died. He said, Is that so? He said, Yes. I says, Well, I tell you what. Go. Go, but tell me something. Is your grandmother a believer? Are you a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your personal savior? He said, no. And he doesn't think his grandmother is a believer. I said, why, why do you say that? You see, the man had color as I am. Same background and everything else. And he said that, well, in my religion, we regard Jesus Christ as a great prophet. And that's about it. I don't believe that he was buried and on the third day he arose from the... I don't believe that. Although I know there is a book, he said, that teaches that, talking about the Bible. I says, well, tell me, what do you believe? He says, well, I believe that when I die, and if I do good in this life, um, I will be born into something. And when I die again, he was a Hindu. You know, little did he know that Jesus Christ came into the world to die, die for sinners, to die for people, all people. Regardless of color, race, creed, nationality, Jesus died. The Bible says, as he hung there on the cross, and these two men, Joseph of Amathea and Nicodemus, went to the authorities and pleaded for the body of Jesus that they would give him a Jewish burial, that their wishes were granted. And as they took the body and they laid him in the grave, That Jesus predicted himself that as Jonah was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights, even so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And there it was when these women who were so much concerned about anointing the body of Jesus when they came to the sepulchre, they saw the stones rolled away. And it was announced to them, he's not here, he's risen. He's risen. Yes, the risen Christ. But first of all, let us look at the person. I am the resurrection and the life. Signify to us that Christ is capable of raising the, the dead to life, both now and in the general, election, uh, general resurrection. In the book of First Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, we have proof of this. For the Bible tells us, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ, shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, this will be a time when God himself will display both his omniscience and his omnipotence. Whether you believe it or not, this will be a time when God will demonstrate to us who are alive that we will be caught up to meet him in the air. Permit me to use this illustration. A young boy was waiting after church For his family. The pastor of the church saw this young man standing around. And was so eager to start up a conversation. Since the boy had just come from Sunday school. The pastor was curious and was very excited. And wants to know what are these kids learning. So the pastor went up to this young man and he says. Tell me young man. If you can tell me something that God can do, I'll give you a big, shiny, juicy apple. The young boy very thoughtfully bent his head down, kicked the sand that he was standing on, looked at the pastor, full in his face, and said, Sir, if you can tell me something God can't do, I'll give you a whole box of apples. Right there and then, This young lad says, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There is nothing my God cannot do. Jesus Christ is alive. In the person, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, when a person is saved, or the scripture says, when a person is saved, all things are passed away. And all things are passed away, and all things are become new. That's pertaining to salvation. You know, I have a problem when I see people that says that they are born again. And when you look carefully into their life, you don't see a change. I have a problem with that. The scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away and all things are become new. You see, I look back into my life and I see the time when I sat down in a little country-setting church. Or regardless of what they believe in. When I sat down in that church and I heard the gospel for the first time, the Spirit of God just quickened me. And how little did I realize that in that congregation, and as I and, I, and as I was growing up as a young believer, I heard the testimony of four individual men. And they were saying in their testimony, and this was no fable, they were telling their testimony like it is, how when they were young, the things they used to do, the drinking and, and, and whatever whatever sin they were involved in. That one day, a group of men that call themselves the Gideonites. That Those are the people who place Bibles in hotels. That these people just approach these young guys and says, listen. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Oh, they heckle and, and they rebel and they fuss and, and they st- say all manner of things. But the Spirit of God just arrest them in their sins and they turn and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And when I look into the lives of these men, I can see a change. And thank God that one of them was my dear departed father-in-law. That when he stands up and gives his testimony, he would tell you based on his religion, in the Hindu religion, the things they would worship, how they would worship, snake. And how God was so merciful in changing his life. And when I look at these four men, they all became great preachers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Preaching and ministering the word of God. There must be a definite change in your life as a Christian. Otherwise, if I can't see that, I have a problem with that. See, too many of us who are so-called Calvinist in our thinking and in our belief, thinking that, well, once we are saved, we can go on living in any wishy-washy way we please, that our salvation is all secured. My friends, stop and think for a moment what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Perseverance is what, what's the bottom line. Think of a man named Saul of Tarsus. Look at the life of this man in the book of Acts. We are told that this man, God has placed in front of him a couple of goads that he couldn't. That he couldn't see with his natural eyes. Here was a young man as, as there was, as, as they arrested Stephen because he got into a debate in the synagogue with a couple of guys and he was winning the debate and they want to get him arrested. So what they do, they accused him falsely that he was spreading heresy, talking about Jesus and how he would tear down the temple and how he would rebuild it. So they grabbed hold of Stephen and they took him in front of the Sanhedrin council. And believe it or not, the scripture tells us in the books of, book of Acts that this man, Saul of Tarsus, he was there. He was there. That when, listen, nowhere in the Bible you read that Jesus stood up. Everywhere in the scriptures, apart from the book of Acts, you read that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for his people. But in the book of Acts, as they were doing what they were doing to Stephen, Jesus stood up in the presence of God. As Stephen looked up into heaven, he saw him standing up. They took hold of Stephen and they took him. And they stoned him to death. And the men that were doing the stoning took their clothes and lay it at the feet of this young man, Saul of Tarsus. But that wasn't the end. You see, Saul wasn't a dummy, so to speak. Saul was a very, very learned person. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee. He was a Hasidic Jew. He knew the Bible. He was taught it. He knew what he was doing. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that a, that a Saul of Tarsus was got, got gotten the permission and he was driving the Christians and taking them away to, to stone them and put them to death. That he got arrested by the Spirit of God. And what happened? The Bible tells us that this man, Saul, he turned out to be one of the greatest preachers that the world has ever known. One of the greatest evangelists. He took the gospel over, crisscrossing the Mediterranean into Europe and in all places. Teaching the gospel, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, God has placed at his foot the goads of religion, the goads of the Redeemer. That Jesus Christ himself said, Paul, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? It's about time. It's about time. You see, in regards to salvation, if there is not a change in your life, as in the life of Paul, or is in the life that you're living right now, and I know you as a Christian, you mean well. You struggle from day to day, getting up in the morning and trying to hold a job and, and trying to get a paycheck to come home to pay your bills and feed your family and keep a roof under your head. I know about all of that. But if I can't see a change in someone's life when they tell me that, well, I'm a born-again Christian, I think twice about that. You see, there is a positive blessing of salvation. For the Bible tells us that we are chosen unto salvation. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you brethren. Beloved of the Lord because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Salvation is not only we are chosen, but salvation, we are appointed to salvation. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9 says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only Jesus Christ, the person that says, I am the resurrection and the life. Not only in salvation, that there's a positive blessing in salvation. there's He's also the sustainer. Not only does he save us from sin, but he keeps us from falling away to him. Little earlier I said that I got saved in a church. It's true. It was a church that practices and teaches Armenianism. That is, that teaches that one can lose their salvation. Well, I believed it for a little while. I was just a young Christian, young believer. I didn't know the truth. I read the Bible. I, I prayed. I studied the Bible, whatever little I can, trying to make, to make heads and tails and trying to understand it until I encountered the truth that once you are saved, you are saved for all eternity. And one day I remember got into a conversation with one of the pastor of the church. And I says, listen, this is what the Bible teaches. How come you all are teaching that one can lose their salvation? His answer to me was, well, once in grace always winds up in a disgrace. Once in grace always winds up in a disgrace. What kind of language is that? What are you trying to say? He's trying to tell me that you can fall away and you can lose your salvation. But what does the Bible says? First Peter chapter 1 and verses 5 We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Second Timothy 1.12 tells us, For thee which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believe and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Our salvation is sustained by Jesus Christ himself. His death on the cross means a lot. He died once and for all for sin. See, I have something written down here that I must read to you. All who are chosen by God, redeemed by Christ and given faith by the Spirit, are eternally saved. They are kept in faith by the power of the Almighty God and thus persevere to the end. I think this is a quote from John Gill himself. All those who are chosen by God, redeemed by Christ, and given faith by the Spirit, are eternally saved. They are kept in faith by the power of Almighty God, and thus persevere to the end. Not only is there the person... Secondly is also the plan. He that believeth on me, the text says. Jesus Christ himself says, He that believeth in me. What does that mean? Well, Romans 10, 9 and 10 answers that question. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Man must believe in his heart. When he does this, he will practice the teachings of Christ. First of all, he would practice by having faith in the Bible. In the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, one of the greatest faith. Chapter in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? The Bible explains it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Though we can't see God, we must believe in Him. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. See, the Bible tells us, In Hebrews chapter 11, that by faith, Abel offered up a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. The Bible also tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. The Bible also tells us that by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his household. By faith, Abraham, and it continues, and it went on and on and on from Isaac to Jacob, Sarah, Joseph. Finally, it gets to Moses. He says, By faith, by faith, the scripture says, Moses was hidden three months by his parents. By faith, Moses refused to be called the sons of, or the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, Moses chose to suffer the affliction with the people of God. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt. By faith. When God told Moses that, listen, I want you to instruct the children of God. I want you to instruct the Israelites I want you to tell them to take a a lamb that is spotless and kill that lamb and take the blood and sprinkle it on the doorpost. Because in the midnight hour, when the death angel will pass over the land, where the blood is not sprinkled, the firstborn will die. By faith, Moses kept the Passover. By faith, Moses passed through the Red Sea. The point is this. It's answered in the book of Romans, chapter 10 and verses 17. 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Not only are we to practice by having faith, we are to practice by being faithful. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 2 and verses 10, warns us to be faithful until death. The problem is that in our religious activities, we see ourselves as volunteers, rather than duty-bound. For a volunteer, almost anything seems acceptable. But for a bond servant who is duty bound, being faithful is expected. Remember in Matthew chapter 25, how the Lord tells the parable about this this master who called three of his slaves and said, Listen, here is five talents. Here is two talents. And here is one talent. And the master says, listen, I'm going away. Didn't give them no time or season when he's coming back. He says, now, I'm going away. When I come back, I want to see what you guys are going to be doing with these talents. The parable continues on. It says that the, the guy that was given the five, he went out and he doubled it. The guy that was given the two, he went out and he doubled it. But the guy that was given one, he took it and he hid it. What does that tell you, Christian friends? The Bible tells us that Jesus said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee over, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. You see, Jesus, our Lord and our Master, has placed us, the church here, for a reason and has given us a talent, regardless of whatever it is. Whatever it is. Now, are we going to take the talents and are we going to hide it? Like the guy that was given one talent? Or are we going to take the talent and we're going to multiply it? So that we can hear the words from him on that day himself. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Well, not only are we to practice faithful, we are to be practiced by fellowship. See, if we don't have fellowship with the Lord and with other believers, then sooner or later we will just wither up and not seen or heard of. We must practice fellowship. Stories told of a young Russian girl who finally obtained a visa for a long time wanted to come to Canada to visit her relatives for three months. She arrived in Canada. As she arrived in Canada, her relatives took her around to various attractions and amusements and entertainments. The young Russians seemed so immensely expressed, impressed by the amount of things that people were wrapped up with. At the end of three months, as they draw close, the relatives of this young Russian girl, while they were looking forward for something, they wanted to see now that she would go to the authorities and, and she would defect and seek political asylum in Canada. But she surprised them by expressing her desire to return to Russia where she belonged and where she was fellowshipping with a group of believers Well, the relatives weren't too happy with her decision. So they asked her, why do you want to go back to Russia? She explained that in North America, everyone seems to be wrapped up in things and doesn't have time for people. But in Russia, she said, they don't have many material possessions and consequently they need each other. You see, she wanted to return to a place where people relied on each other where people have fellowship because fellowship to her was important. If we neglect fellowship with the Lord, then we'll become stagnant. If we neglect fellowship with other believers, then we'll become stagnant. Thirdly, this morning, I want to direct your attention to the promise. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. The promise. Believers in Christ die as well as others. Although death is not a penal evil to them, its its curse is removed and its sting is taken away. It is true that while there are those when death comes along, you can hear them mourning and groaning and weeping for days, for months, even for years. You just keep carry on. Because why? There is no hope. There is no hope. The Bible tells us, the promise is, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Yes, we will all die. But to us, who are Christians, it is a sleep. It is sleep to be absent from this body, to be present with our Lord. Why? Because the curse is removed and the sting of death is taken from a believer. We can rest assured at the point of death when a loved one passed away. We rejoice. Why? Because there is hope of seeing that individual again in glory. I think of something I read in comparative religion recently. Do you realize that there are people who would bury their dead and once a year they would visit the dead and they would take food, perfume and everything else and lay it by the grave. Hopefully they believe that the spirit would come out in some miraculous way and feed on those things that they take there, which is hogwash. They do that in Japan. You see, once a year, the royalties, they go and visit the graves of the emperors and, and they take these things and, and they take it there and they placed it. Hopefully the dead would come and eat and, 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 and have fellowship. It's not so. See, the dead is in there. It's not going nowhere. So it's all rotted it out and everything else. There's no hope. But to a believer, but to a believer, once we die, We passed from this life into something better. Something much more pleasant. Something much more than what we go through. Every day there will be no sickness. There will be no sorrow. There will be no heartache. There will be no pain. We'll be there in the presence of God. Worshipping Him. And having fellowship with Him. I also read in comparative religion that in the Andes mountains of Peru they are what you call the sun worshippers that these people will take their dead and they would find the highest mountain that they can walk up to and carry these coffins on their backs and they would dig a hole out and they would bury their dead there and once a year they would go and visit them why? because their dead is in the ground or the dead is there Not going anywhere. No hope for eternal life. But the Bible tells us the promises. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Live a life of happiness. As the psalmist says in the 16th chapter and the 11th verse. Thou shalt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At the right hand there is pleasures forevermore. You see, happiness can only be achieved by being satisfied happiness can only be achieved by being satisfied and if you're not in christ you'll never be satisfied take a look around you those who are not believers those who who are not born again christians you would see people just trading off tranquilizers prescriptions they would they they have so much of a money and they have so much of this world goods and gains that they just don't know what to do. They're not satisfied. They seek after more. You know, it is like someone telling you, hey, you want to find Easy Street? Go southward and Northern Boulevard and make a, and make a right turn on 167th Street and you'll find Easy Street. But to your surprise, when you get there, it's a dead end. You can't go nowhere. There is no such thing as Easy Street. Once you're not in Christ, you will never be satisfied. You will always want more. You'll always want more. Happiness is only found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Not only a life of happiness, but a life of hope. Although the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is is not the end to a Christian is to start to eternal life. You know, when complimented on a homemade biscuit, a cook at a popular Christian uh, conference center told Dr. Harry Ironside, just consider what goes into the making of these biscuits. For example, the flour itself doesn't taste good. Neither the baking powder, it doesn't taste good. Nor the shortening, it doesn't taste good. Nor the other ingredients that's added into this biscuit. However, the cook said to Dr. Ironside, when I mixed it all up together and I placed it in an oven, they come out just right. The point is this. Much of life seems tasteless. Even bad. But God, who is all loving, all caring, is able to combine these ingredients in life as we go through it. In such a way that a banquet results from it. God is able to take all the good things and all the bad things and put it together. That in the end, a beautiful banquet will result. Yes. Lastly, this morning, the power. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Well, Isaiah tells us this in Isaiah 53, and verse 5, that he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes. We are healed. What does that mean? It means simply this. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That's the provision. The provision that Christ has made. By his death, he brought life unto mankind. You see, the provision was there even from the Old Testament days. Until Jesus, the Messiah, came on board. He came on the scene, fulfilling, fulfilling it. The provision was there. Run your imagination back, or your thinking back to the book of Numbers, with the children of Israel leaving Egypt. And as they complained and murmured in, in Numbers chapter 21, the Bible tells us they start murmured and they start complaining, About the food and about everything. You see, I think that they were worse than Lot's wife. Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. But these people, they were always looking back in Egypt to see what the good times, are the good food rather, that they were having there and all the abundance of things that they murmured and complained throughout their wandering years. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that God sent in their midst fiery serpent and it bit them and they were dying. And then they realized that they have sinned and they went to Moses and they pleaded and they confessed to him that they have sinned. And Moses went to God and God said, listen Moses, I want you to make a serpent out of bronze and I want you to take that serpent and I want you to place this on a pole and I want you to tell those stiff necked people That as they looked upon this serpent, uh, this brazen serpent, they will be healed. And Jesus himself tells us in John chapter 3 and verses 14. That as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Yes, not only the power and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall die the provision, also the promise. John 5:24 states, Verily I say unto unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. By believing in Christ, we pass from death to life. Faith in Christ means that we will not stand with the condemned. At judgment, we will not stand with those that are condemned for hell at the judgment, because the Bible tells us so. Then also the plan Isaiah fifty-five and verses seven explains it so 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 beautiful. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and He will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. See, man must be willing to abandon wickedness and to trust Christ. The Bible says, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 21 states that. Repentance toward God. That's the plan. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. Repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible also says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That is the plan. That is the plan. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Acts 16, 31. And in John 1, 12 it tells us, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. See, in conclusion this morning, when the risen Christ is with us, we need not be afraid. As Psalm 23 and verse 4 states, Yea, though I walk to the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. When the risen Christ is with us, we'll have a peaceful mind. Philippians chapter 4 and verses 7, Paul tells us, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your mind through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, this morning, John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. The risen Christ. We see the person. I am the resurrection. The plan, he that believeth in me. And we see the promise, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And the power, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Shall never die. There is a hymn that I love, that we sing only. An Easter time, he lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. You ask me how, I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning. God, that Jesus Christ is alive, and Father, He is seated at your right hand, and He's making intercession for us. Father, how we thank you and how we praise you. We glorify your holy and your precious name, Lord. Thank you for Him. Thank you for His obedience in dying for us. Life, Father, this morning we give you praise. We give you glory. Lord, if there is anyone in the midst of us who do not know the Savior, Father, I pray that your word will give them assurance that Jesus is risen. He's alive. And by believing and trusting in him, they can have that eternal life. Because in his name we pray. Amen.